Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So, are these your notes? These. Are these your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. Nailed it. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> Perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. As always, I'm Jamie, and I'm very excited to be joined by one half of the Skylark literary agency, Joanna Malt. Hello. Welcome. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm really well. Yeah, really well. Thank you. How's, we're one month into 2022 now. How's it going? Well, it's all been a bit overwhelming, but um, (laughs) I think that's just for everybody. But yes, for Skylark, it's been great. Um, Lots going on. Yeah, so it's been fun. Busy, busy. Good to be busy. Always. So diving right in with Mm. the agency, Skylark Literary, you and Amber started it in it's 2014 that's right yes it's it's over seven years old now our baby yeah approaching the decade Uh, how's it all going how's how's uh getting older I guess the company how's it going yeah well it's funny how it does change actually when we started off obviously we we didn't actually have any clients at all because we were both coming from our publishing backgrounds yeah so we set it up really slowly and it was very much our ethos and our plan from from the outset to make sure we didn't take on a load of clients. So we were very keen to build it from a very small place to not grow it until it was enormous. Mm. We're, we want to really focus on the clients we take on. And so we only take on clients that we absolutely passionately love their writing. And so, you know, from our point of view, that makes it a lot easier to sell them because we we know they're brilliant. And, <laughs> and we've deliberately kept the, those client lists really sort of small and and bespoke because then we can also offer the best possible experience for the client as well and it it, all clients need different different requirements from their agent Mm. and we want to be able to give them everything they need so it has grown and we have got a lot more clients now than obviously when we started from nil but yes um still we're very small and and that's how we like it yeah it's interesting the other thing is also it's a very i mean publishing is such an organic industry and everyone is different and does have their own needs and approaches it in different ways but also there's a sort of um a faux seasonality to how much work needs to go into a different client because it's very dependent on where they're at on whatever they're working on absolutely and that that is this the kind of ebb and flow of, of those requirements i mean yeah. for our perspective we hope that the first manuscript we send out will find a brilliant publishing home with an amazing editor who is their absolute brilliant champion within within that publishing team mm-hmm. and we will only be there to sort of cheer on from the sidelines that's how we like it and then obviously they'll go on to this amazing publishing career where they stay with one publisher and all as well but really that that kind of linear experience is is very rare and there are so many sort of hiccups along the way in all of that process yeah. that 
we do, you know, have a real kind of balancing act to, um, and we may have to step in and be much more supportive at some times and other times we're happy to kind of sit back and just be delighted for our clients seeing them soar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the dream come true scenario, right? You send absolutely them, everything's great, everyone's great, and you just that's it's done, sort of neatly tied up and sent off. Absolutely, yes. I, I, I wish that for all of my clients. <laughs> Sadly, the the reality of it is is that it's, it's a bumpy road. Publication, yeah. writing all the way through to, you know, being becoming a bestseller is is never a comfortable road. Yes, it think. takes it takes many years to become an overnight sensation. <laughs> So true. So true. <laughs> and you mentioned that the both you and Amber were from. You weren't from uh, sort of agenting roles prior. Were you both in editorial roles? That's right. Yes. So we were both in house in publishers of various different sizes and shapes, but in in children's and young adult mm-hmm. specifically, both of us. So that's where our, our our expertise lay, and it's where our passion lies as well. So. Yeah, very much children's YA fiction editorial it was both of our backgrounds. And uh, it just, it was really evident that staying within a publishing environment means that it's a lot harder to really focus on that editorial side of things yeah. and that, and do what we really love is, is also building that relationship with an author and getting the best out of them. So um, I had a bit of a break between leaving publishing and setting up Skylark where Amber came straight from her editorial director role at Orion straight into Skylark. So she had that big jump from one side of the fence to the other, whereas <laughs> I had freelanced for a while. So I kind of got used to kind of doing lots of different jobs and, and working from home and things like that. So it was, it was, it's worked really well. Um, and we, and the great thing was when we kind of were discussing setting Skylark up, we were talking about all the people we knew in publishing. Who do you know that publisher? Who do you know that publisher? And by dint of where we'd worked and we hadn't really crossed over much, we actually knew between us a real range of, of people already. So it was really it was really great because it meant that we already had those relationships, but we were just yeah. coming at it from the from the other side. So even more excuses to go in and have cups of tea and cake and <laughs> your glass of wine with, with yeah. editors, yeah, our friends and ex-colleagues. How amazing. Because I was, yeah, I was going to ask, is it a, a preference or a sort of knowledge contact base that, that keeps you both in children's and YA? It sounds like it's sort of both. It is both. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing adult? Yes, I would. I would consider doing adult. But I feel that with adult, you it's very easy to get sucked into different genres and get stuck there. Mm. And what I absolutely love about children's and YA is and you know on both sides you know with working within publishing and working within agenting is that you're working on different different genres and different age groups all the time and you you can really kind of get your fix from all angles and I suppose our my passion has has always been children's and YA because that's where I really feel you make a connection to the reader for the first time and they experience that absolute magic of being in a book and feeling seen or having their feelings mirrored back to them and that that magic that buzz I still remember that from from the books that I fell in love with as a child and I so the idea of being part of that experience for other children and young adults is really is really important to me yeah there's definitely something about reading 
that you don't get from other mediums like television or, or, or music or video games or something so immersive and, and sort of personal. I guess it's the back and forth where you, as a reader, you sort of also have input in the story and the visualizations and things. Absolutely. And that's, that's another brilliant thing about reading is that you set the scene, don't you? You can, you can, you can paint the backdrop however you like it. Um, So actually you can make it really as about you or as much of an escape from you as you would like it to be. Yeah. 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 That's a lovely way of, uh, a lovely way of putting it. Um, So at the agency, Mm. is is it just you and Amber or do you have assistance or, or a support team? No, it's just me and Amber, actually. We are each other's support team. Um, so, yes, it's just us. So we do everything. And it's good because it means, again, we know exactly what, what's happening for each of our clients all at every moment. Yeah. Um, and we're there to support each other's clients as well if if one of us wants to take a holiday or you know, needs time off. So we, we work so closely. We can kind of substitute for each other if we need to. But we're when it comes to our own clients, we're very much on across everything with them okay 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 Let, i want to i want to go into submissions um in more detail but just to start since we were talking about when you guys started the agency and, and it was kind of a new thing for both of you you both had a lot of experience in publishing but uh you know a literary agency was was quite a different thing for, for the both of you and i noticed that your submissions um you ask for a cover letter um, and the synopsis, mm. which is pretty standard. And then this is where it varies a bit from the norm. You ask for the full manuscript up front, just the whole thing. I know, wild, right? It's, <laughs> I mean, it is it's really interesting because, yes, so we came to agenting f- with fresh eyes, we felt. And we were looking at this process that the other agents do. And we were kind of looking around how we're going to set up this this agency and make it as great as it possibly can be. Yeah. And it's quite clear that the agent the agency model is is this three three chapters and a synopsis thing but that's such a hangover from the days of when a paper copy would come through the door of the office right and so we were looking at that thing, saying well why don't we, we don't need to do that and there's nothing more frustrating in my view than starting to read something i absolutely love and then having to stop email someone and say oh can you send me the rest and then and then, you know, invariably you get involved, sucked in with something else. So when you go back to that manuscript, you've got to start all over again. And it's just not necessary because all our submissions come in by email now. So there's no need to to shorten the amount that we see because we don't we don't have any restrictions on that. There's no restrictions on how much we take. So it it's it seems perfectly obvious to us that this is the be- much better way of doing it. And it also I mean, I, I, between you and me, Jamie, I mean, I think it's not for everybody, but <laughs> it also means when we have something coming through that we love, we can yeah. read it straight away yeah. and we can jump on the front foot with that. And then we can go back, go to the author and say, I love this. I love the way you've done this and this and this. We're, we're ready to go and, and move to that next level much quicker than an agent that's had to stop and wait and ask for the full. And it just seems to add an extra, you know, by, by stopping and waiting for that full manuscript, it just adds an, another layer of of process into the whole thing that, that yeah. is just not necessary in our view. So it works much better this way for us. And I'm quite honestly baffled why others don't do it, but it suits us because it means that we've got, we're ready to jump on that manuscript when we fall in love with it. 
Right. Yeah, I'd not even, yeah, you're totally right. I'd not even th- thought that it was the reason was because historically, you know, sending th- three chapters is a manageable wedge of paper versus, you know, the whole thing. Mm. The, I mean, the only thing I could think of why it's still that way is it is it sort of a commitment to say, send us three chapters. That's a manageable amount that we will read. And and this sort of a, our pledge to you that we'll read it. But it's, you know, if you've got the full manuscript, you, you read as much as you need to. Absolutely. And and I, I understand that. And I know it's disconcerting for some read for some writers when they send stuff to us and, and they feel that it, it almost takes a degree of control away from them. And and that's the only thing I would say that, mm. that is a negative. And I think um really most most authors absolutely great with it because they know that that we can carry on reading um but yes i think that's the only thing it it can be but but given that you never know how much someone's going to read anyway it seems like a kind of false promise in a way yeah because i've spoken to a lot of agents and and so many of them say you know they'll read the first chapter or two but they know after page you know one whether they're gonna pick it up or not or, or like you know whether they're more likely not going to pick it up yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's that's key really, isn't it? Is yeah. is often when you pick up a book, um, a published book, so obviously that's been through many, many layers of, of of sort of subjective reading and people have deemed it shareable and, you know, publishable, you might still read and pick it up and think, even in the first chapter or so, oh no, this isn't my kind of kind of thing. This is not my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess it's you know that's that's how we feel. It's it's reading it, giving it a good shot, but and and obviously knowing what we are looking for and what we expect um, to to find. Yeah. Well, I'm sold. It's, it's very <laughs> convincing, very compelling. I bet also you filter out some of the scallywags who are sending unfinished manuscripts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. There's no sneaking that through. <laughs> I mean, what happens with that? You see, I've always wondered about that. What ha- with when people ask for the first three chapters, what if you haven't written it? I mean, it, well, it I may know be... a few agented authors who are, who will remain nameless who did do that and it wasn't necessarily <gasps> finished. And then you see when when you have that break and then you have to email them and say, oh, can you send the full manuscript? That's when they panic and have to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Because I guess it also makes you work on that first three chapters. You're like, I really, really want to get a full request. Mm. So they, you know, there's this focus on the first three chapters. And I wonder if sometimes the rest of the manuscript might get a little bit neglected because yeah. really that's you've got kind of got your end game then, haven't you, when you've got the whole manuscript in and, and had that full request. I bet I bet you find that though with the full manuscript because unless someone's said, I'm just going to because I don't know any other agencies that just ask for the full first up. So unless they unless they've said, I'm just gonna su- submit to Skylark. Th- the amount of work that goes into the first three chapters versus the rest of the novel for, for a lot of people is insane. Mm. Well, that's a good thing. You know, that's that's only a good thing. It's something that, you know, is really important, those first three, first three chapters. And they do need to grab you. I mean, the first line has to grab. The first paragraph has to work hard. The first few pages have to. So actually, if you're going to really polish any bit, that is the bit you really need to be at its tippity-top best going out there so you know maybe it's no bad thing (laughs) I I suppose when you're just you know I was thinking back to the books that I've read recently and you can if if the person's 
in, if they've bought into the concept, bought into the story, then you can get away with a lot more in the later kind of parts of the book. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, it is the area you need to really, you need to get hook your reader in so oh, yeah. quickly and more and more so than ever before now, you know, and it's got to hook so many people. It's got to hook us as agents. It's got to hook an editor. The rest of the publishing team have to be on board. And, you know, you start spinning out more widely and they aren't necessarily people who are avid readers or avid mm-hmm. book people. So actually yeah. you need to be really, really strong on those first openings. And then beyond the publishing team, you've got to think about booksellers and and retailers and, and everybody else, librarians, teachers, all these people who will be champions for your book if you can really hook them in quickly, who ha- are time poor. You know, they, they don't have a lot of time. So you want them to be picking your book up and be excited about your book over any other so that's why you know those first opening sentences those opening paragraphs those opening chapters are you know really key for for hooking hooking people in yeah yeah yeah, for sure but for everyone listening that doesn't mean the rest of the book can be terrible it still has to be good (laughs) oh no yeah there's no there's no wriggling out of that one you've got to you've got to make the rest of it sing too yeah Uh pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, that's... Yeah, yeah. As I said, completely sold. Um, it, it sounds like something that everyone might start moving into, just requesting full manuscripts, skipping out a whole step in the process. Mm. I, I'm surprised they don't. I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, I'd love to know. <laughs> if you could ask some agents that, I'd be fascinated to know. <laughs> I, I will ask. I will ask the next agent. I guess it's, you're right. It's probably just a legacy thing, and that's just yeah. the way it's always been done. Um, speaking of submissions now, um, and this is something I ask all the agents that come on mm. when you are, well, first of all, are you open to submissions currently? Yes. Yes, okay. we are. So February, 2022 open to submissions. When you receive a submission, um, the letter, the synopsis, the manuscript, which order do you go through them in and how much weight do you attribute to each part? Oh, this is, this is interesting. And I know everyone does this so differently. Um, <laughs> so I scan the email very briefly. Okay. Um, and then I dive straight into the manuscript and that is my priority. And then if I'm enjoying it and I think, oh, this has really got something, I'll go back to the email and have a good read of the email to try and get a sense of, of the author. Um, and then I probably don't get too involved with the synopsis unless I may be wondering how they're going to resolve something or, wondering if um if they're going to be able to pull all the threads together or uh, sometimes if i'm really gripped i might not even read the synopsis i might just read the manuscript because i'm loving it so much so i would say while it's vital and i know that synopses are the devil's work for authors i totally (laughs) get that i know it's hideous for you guys yeah um it's just it's really hard but it does it is really helpful for us um and it's a great it's a great exercise 
in understanding your own manuscript to to write mm-hmm. a synopsis. But um, for me personally, it's the last thing I read. But I know another, uh, you know, I know another agent who is very quick to look at the synopsis to see if if that that framework of that story is as she would expect it to be. So you know, everyone's so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when um, when you do the quick scan over the email, is there mm. anything you're particularly looking for that might jump out at you, or is it more just a sort of just very briefly see what the the this um, what do they call it? The like blurb for the for the story. Yeah, it's really a sense of the premise of 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 what what this is okay. a real kind of broad brush. Um, who the author is, why they've written this book, uh, why it's them that's written this book, and you know to check that I think that they have really thought about it. I look at sometimes the comps that they've used. I think that's always quite interesting. Yeah, I really like seeing. Um, comparisons with books that are recently published or you know relatively contemporary I think it's quite telling when authors compare their titles to books that they read as as children um sometimes things like that might just set off a few alarm bells thinking or has this person really done their research into this market that they're ready to plunge into yeah um so things like that I'm always interested to sort of see but I would say that's just more a curiosity nosy. Oh, what's this then? Yeah, um, sure. Sort of attitude. But the book is, the writing is the thing I need to be um, really up my street, to really excite me into thinking, oh, I, yeah, I really want to, I really want to get involved with this book. Okay. And and you said if the writing's really gripping you, you look back at the email. Uh, how much How much do you usually read before you look back at the email? Do you think it's about three chapters? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, could be, couldn't it? Um, do you know, it really depends on, it really depends. If, um, so for example, the, the story, the story I took on most recently was a novel in verse. And I'm quite cautious about novels in verse. So I scanned the email as usual, and then I started reading. But this, this book was so, it was so good. I just, I couldn't stop reading it. So I very swiftly went back to the to the email to just see if there were, you know, see a little bit more background about the author, make sure she was, you know, set in Ireland. Uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that, that she had that experience of Ireland that she, you know, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know necessarily if there are, there are pitfalls there that I wouldn't see. So, you know, just to make sure that she was the right person for, for writing this book. And then I just devoured the book. Um, and so it really, it's when I, when I get excited about something, when I really feel, oh, this has really got something, that's when I'll go back and go, oh, let's let's find out a bit more about this person. And also, for me, I really want to work with someone that I get on well with. So I really want to work with someone who's put a little bit of effort into approaching us and why they've chosen to approach us. Um, and And it's really nice if you can get a sense of that personality through that that covering email yeah. because then it sort of again it adds to that level of um excitement about oh this could be someone I, i'm really excited about building um it's such a personal relationship the the relationship between the author and the agent it's so close we are so tightly bound together it needs to be really strong and that's a personality thing as well um there have been people that maybe 
you know, I've enjoyed the writing and then maybe not felt that their connection was necessarily there. I was worried they may, may have shown some resistance to, to editorial work, mm-hmm. um, which is, is difficult. So maybe their personalities weren't so aligned, in which case I might step back from a book um, because it is, you know, it is such an important relationship. And that goes both ways. I, I know that, you know, maybe authors, those lucky authors who have, a, you know, a number of agents who are offering them representation, for them the importance is that relationship and who they really trust the most, who they feel could really be, you know, there in their corner um, speaking up for them and also being there to ask any silly questions um, and, you know, answer all the the weird, wonderful things that happen in publishing that we all (laughs) forget are weird and wonderful. Yes, yes, balmy. A balmy Mm, Yes. Um, No, it's 100%. That's the more agents I speak to and actually had recently had on um, an agent and an author together. And it really is a relationship that goes beyond professional. It, it's, it's almost like it has to go beyond professional unlike a lot of other um, agents with um, talent as it were. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's, that's what, what Amber and I both felt we weren't able to offer as editors within publishing was that extra level of support that yeah, it is, it's, it's a really, um, I admire authors for any writer who writes and then shares their work because mm-hmm. that seems extraordinarily daunting to me. I can't write, but even if I could, handing it over and, and, and other people reading it is terrifying. So you have to have someone you really trust. And it's a level of trust that goes beyond, I think, maybe a normal professional relationship. Um, and I think you really need someone who's going to support you and lift you up when, you know, when you hit the inevitable old pothole along the way. Mm-hmm. Of which I'm sure in publishing there will be many. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there really are. And, and there are all stages of the publishing journey. Yeah. You know, even best-selling authors have total, you know, n- nights lying awake thinking, what if this is the book that they realise that, you know, I'm no good at writing. You know, every every author, no matter what stage they're at, has has things that terrify them and mm. and it doesn't go away and that's what i think is really important for for writers to understand whatever stage they're at and i know they're looking over the horizon like if i can just get that if i just get my book on that table in waterstones then everything will be okay you know yeah. then i'll know and then i'll have ticked that box and then that happens and then they they're worrying about book two and what if no one likes it what if it doesn't sell what if i get bad reviews you know that when you get to that place you never quite feel that feeling you thought you were going to feel, that big tick done feeling. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to celebrate every part of the publishing journey, I think, to really, you know, to celebrate the fact that you sent it off to an agent. That takes courage. I, yeah. You know, I think that definitely deserves a, you know, glass of something fizzy for that, you know, and, and all the way along to really celebrate what you achieve, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think... Um debut authors and if whether their book has been incredibly successful or just had sort of mild success the it's the the fear to follow up with a second book is so real and, mm. and the pressure is so huge um you're right i, I imagine it never ends <laughs> we always it put does. too much pressure on ourselves it doesn't but hopefully you've always got your agent who's there going don't worry this is this is normal don't worry about this yeah. we'll get through this and then we'll find you know we'll do whatever's necessary to kind of pick you up and dust you down and head off to the next challenge 
Exactly. Yeah. You've got to build up that team around you. You've got to have the support system ready. Um, And with that in mind, what advice would you give to writers who are on submission, thinking about going on submission, um, sending their work to agents? I think the, um, the piece of advice I would give is try, if you can, to be patient because mm-hmm. the pace of publishing in general is glacial. <laughs> yeah. And it is one of the things I know frustrates authors, my authors, everybody, everybody. Me, actually, when I'm waiting for responses from publishers, everything is so super slow. Yeah. So find ways of of distracting yourself, whether it's with a new writing project, whether it's with a different hobby, whether it's it's doing something else, but try and distract yourself from getting too caught up in, in waiting, in the waiting and the process of waiting, second guessing why you're waiting. Is Am I waiting because they have read it and they think it's rubbish, but they don't want to come back to me? Have they read it? And and have they not read it? Have they got a massive pile and mine's at the bottom? And now that means by the time they get there, they won't want to read anything ever again. You know, there <laughs> is, it, this, that, the worry that goes along with the waiting, with the slowness of publishing is something that you will need to be resilient with. Mm. So that's what I think I would, I would is find your way of managing the waiting. Yeah. Excellent advice. Um, and, and very doable. I think something that we can all, um, mm. take on our advisement. So early in the year, uh, going forwards, are there any particular genres or age groups or voices that you are specifically looking to add to your list this year? I, I find this such a hard question because <laughs> I really, I really never quite know what mm-hmm. is going to hit me um, that I will fall in love with. So there is nothing I don't want to see. Um, okay. um, but what I, I really... I would love to see some really great YA, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes easier to say what I've seen a lot of and what I'm fairly kind of well-stocked with. And I would say sort of magical realism in middle grade, I've seen quite a lot, but that doesn't mean if something brilliant came along, I wouldn't fall in love with that. So (laughs) um, I just want something that's just going to knock my socks off you know, something really romantic in YA I'd love to see. I feel it. I feel the need for a bit of romance. Um, I love funny YA as well. Um, I represent Simon James Green, and I think he's an example of, of, you know, what everybody needs in YA is a bit of lightness, a bit of funniness, a bit of, you know, just really feeling the, the comedy of the world around you. Um, I suppose I'm not – I find the darker – side of YA especially maybe the more dystopian stuff a bit hard going at the moment maybe because it all feels a bit too close to reality yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so I would say yeah so um uplifting things things that will sort of make me smile and you know cheer me up uh, okay what I'm looking for but that again I'm, I'm never going to rule out anything that um that is you know thought-provoking and whisks me away to a different place as well so yeah I think I've managed to fudge that question <laughs> <laughs> that was a great answer. It's always <laughs> nice to be surprised though. It's always nice to find something you didn't know you were looking for, I imagine. Absolutely. I really feel that actually. I think it's great to be surprised. And that's why it's sometimes I'm loath to nail my colours to a mast on that one. <laughs> well, you're, I'm going to force you to nail your colours to a mast on the next question, which is, 
Joanna, if you were stranded on a desert island with one book, which book would it be? See, I think this is just a horrible question. For <laughs> I just think this, I mean, honestly, it has taken so long to have a think about this. Um, <laughs> I apologize. And I have been around in circles thinking about this. Thank God you warned me about it. Um, <laughs> I, after much thought, the one I, I would choose would be uh, the diary of Adrian Mole, age 13 and three oh, okay. Because... It was one of the, well, at various stages through my reading life, I fell in love with books. But this one really, I really fell in love with. And I really felt like it was okay not to have it all sorted. And that was so enormously reassuring. So I loved it for that reason. I loved it for the diary format. I loved that once I'd read it through, I could pick it up at any point in that in that story and just read a few entries and laugh and (laughs) be cheered up. So I suppose, and it's, it's really, it's just so well written. Sutan's then writes like an absolute dream. The voice in there. And I think that's another thing I really love is a voice that is so real. Um, So yeah, that's, I think that would probably be my choice, but yeah, it was really, really hard. I mean, there's so much great stuff out there, but that one, I suppose. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Dogs want to be involved. Yeah, the placement. <laughs> um, so that's the one I really fell in love with and I really love. And I think I could read again and again and again until it fell apart. Oh, well, that's a lovely, it's a lovely choice. Uh, Adrian Mole. It's been a long time since I picked up that book. Maybe I should revisit it. You won't be disappointed. It's one that you read again and think, oh my God, yes, yeah. this is so good. I love it. When you come back to something, you're like, gosh, I've forgotten how brilliant this was. I love that. I love that feeling. Yeah, because sometimes it's a bit of a bit of a disappointment when you go back mm. to books you loved as a child. Yeah. And that's really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you go back and you, and you think, oh, this was, this was not written as well as I remember it being. <laughs> yeah, what a shock that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But... But it's a, a great choice. Um, and thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting with me and, and sharing your knowledge and experience uh, with me and everyone listening, Joe. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And um, I do wish you all luck with your writing. I know it's tough, but go for it. Yes, you know, go for it, brave. everybody. Go for it, yes. And to keep up with everything Joanna's doing you can follow her on Twitter at Joanna Malt if you're thinking about submitting or just want to read up about the agency uh, follow Skylark on Twitter at Skylark Lit or go to the website skylark-literary.com to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast thank you again Joanna and thanks to everybody listening we'll catch you in the next one Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.